And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Gearing up for a big week seven on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Welcome into Fantasy Football in 15. It is Friday, October 23rd, week 7, already underway after Eagles and Giants got us going on Thursday. We've got an exciting slate ahead of us this weekend. A lot of great fantasy games, a lot of those double as great real-life games, so definitely one we are excited for. I am Michael Beller, joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR, how you doing today? Doing great. Really excited for this weekend. Yeah, me too, man. This is going to be a fun one. Like I said, so many good real-life games, right? We've got Cardinals and Seahawks on Sunday night. We've got a couple of 5-0 and teams getting together, Titans and Steelers at this point. I couldn't say that you would be surprised if that were the AFC Championship game. Just a lot of really, really fun games. Packers-Texans shaping up to be a fun one, uh, even if the Texans aren't quite the playoff contender we thought they were going to be coming into the season. Anyway, you slice it, a really fun slate ahead of us. We're going to start... With, uh, you know, maybe a game that doesn't quite fit that, but uh, still maybe not a bad one from a fantasy perspective. Browns and Bengals. On the Bengals side of this one, Joe Mixon did not practice on Thursday. That's actually the second day in a row that he has not practiced at all because of a foot injury. Friday's practice report will be key for Joe Mixon. Anything short of a full practice and you're a little bit concerned, although a limited practice would have you feeling decent heading into the weekend. Let's just say we're living in a world on Sunday where Joe Mixon isn't playing. Derek, how interested are you in DVR? You could take this from either or both DFS and season-long perspectives. I mean, Gio Bernard in season-long would be a slightly worse Band-Aid than Boston Scott maybe at the running back position. I, I I don't think Gio Bernard's the exciting player he was at the beginning of his career. I mean, the key is volume, and I know in, in DFS, when you're talking about a guy who's 4,500 on DraftKings this week, if mixing gets ruled out, you can maybe justify him as a, a kind of punt-cheap running back option, but the board is so good from a DFS perspective. There are two other backs under 5K, that we've been talking about this week, Kenyon Drake and Justin Jackson, who I like a lot better. So the savings doesn't really work for me. Uh, I just think the skills have eroded to the point where Gio Bernard probably shouldn't be the guy they turn to if Mixon can't play. He should be more of a timeshare back in a situation like this. So I'm pretty bearish on him. Yeah, I am too, and I think that the big effect here, if Joe Mixon is out, would be just to put the ball even more in the hands of Joe Burrow and the passing game. So that's where I would turn. I would turn to an even bigger uh, role for for, Bur for Burrow himself, for really all the pass catchers, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and A.J. Green. We saw some signs of life from A.J. Green last week. 11 targets, caught eight of them for 96 yards. And if you go back to the first time these two teams got together in week two, Joe Burrow threw the ball 61 times. That was a game where the Browns jumped out to an early, quick 14-0 lead. I can't remember if it was their first 
first two possessions that they scored touchdowns. If it wasn't their first two, it was definitely two of their first three. And it was 14 nothing in the blink of an eye or two blinks of an eye uh, with the Browns up. And that basically led the Bengals to pass, 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 pass mode the rest of the game. And even if that exact script doesn't play out in this one, we still know that they are not afraid to let Joe Burrow drop back 60 times in a game and let him do what he does. And without Joe Mixon, that could definitely be the case. And even with Joe Mixon, would have to think that 40 pass attempts could be in the cards for Joe Burrow in this game. So he becomes someone who I think is interesting in both DFS and season-long uh, uh, leagues and, and to contests here in Week 7. I also do like Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. I think A.J. Green might be a little bit of fool's gold. They feel good about him for Burrow purposes just because of the fact that we saw him actually have a decent game, but I'm not sure I trust A.J. Green just yet. I would like to see uh, another decent game out of him before I feel all right about getting him into any of my lineups. How about John Brown? Missing practice also again with a knee injury. That means no practice for him two days in a row. Just can't stay healthy, right? It's been various injuries that Joe Brown has had, John Brown has had this season, and he's mostly played for the Bills, but he just can't get fully healthy. I'm wondering how this thinks, this could change things for, for Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and Josh Allen. The thing that worries me a little bit for Josh Allen, if he doesn't have John Brown, is that this is a game against a terrible Jets team where the Bills could very easily say, look, we're already a little bit banged up. Let's just go in, play like a B-minus game, win 27-3, to and get out of there with our win. Well, I wonder if they just could look at the John Brown situation and say, this knee's not getting better, maybe we got to give him a little more time off, but the problem is their bye week's not coming up until week 11. I do think they could have a very boring script and just kind of quietly dispose of the Jets in this matchup. It's a game that I've barely talked about over the course of this week because there's so little intrigue around it. In the event that John Brown misses time, whether it's week seven or later, the thing that I think we'd see the Bills do is probably turn more to Gabriel Davis. He was the guy that was yeah. the big winner in week five when Brown actually did sit out a game. Maybe you see a few more plays designed for Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, but otherwise, I think they just go a little more in the direction of Diggs, tick more in the direction of Beasley. I think it's Davis who stands to be the most useful if Brown is out of the mix. And even, even if he is the most useful, it's probably not something where he's registering in your standard 12-team season-long fantasy leagues. It just doesn't feel like that's going to be large enough of a role. I mean, even John Brown, for all of his charms, uh, has been someone who hasn't really been a week-in, week-out deliverer in the fantasy world. And you measure that up with how Josh Allen has played this season, and it tells you what that wide receiver tree looks like after you get past Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs playing like a wide receiver one. The rest of those guys doing enough to help elevate Josh Allen's game, but not really doing enough for themselves to get them into lineups. And again, it's right. I mean, how many times have we seen the Patriots in their, you know, two decades of dominance in the AFC East go up against a totally overmatched Bills or Dolphins or Jets team and they're favored by like 17 and a half points and they barely cover or don't even cover because why show anything? Why put anything on tape in a game that we know we can win by just even if we strip everything down to the bare bones. And I worry a tiny bit about the fantasy ceiling for the Bills players because of the fact that, I mean, are the Jets really going to challenge them? I mean, really? Is this really going to be a game? Even if Sam Darnold gets back, I just can't see that being the case. So that has me a little bit worried about the fantasy ceiling for everyone on the Bills here this week. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, Derek, a couple of big-name receivers not practicing on Thursday and both of them coming as tiny surprises. DeAndre Hopkins didn't practice. He's been nursing an ankle injury. This one may be a little bit not as scary because of the fact that Arizona played on Monday night, so it's almost like Thursday is their Wednesday. Obviously, they play this Sunday, Sunday night, in one of the marquee games of the week against the Seahawks, but... You know, the fact that they are one day behind schedule, you maybe don't worry about it too much just yet and wait and see what Friday's practice report brings. Michael Thomas, meanwhile, did not practice again. He is dealing with a hamstring issue on top of the ankle injury that has had him out for more than a month now. Uh, this one is something that, you know, is a little bit of a surprise. We thought that Michael Thomas was for sure going to be back last week. Then he had the disciplinary issue after punching a teammate in practice. Then we thought, all right, that sucks, but, you know, we'll welcome him back next week. And now he's dealing with this hamstring thing it's very scary when you're talking about two injuries two leg injuries on top of one another uh, like we're seeing from Michael Thomas especially since uh, this second one the hamstring we have to assume happened at some point in practice not like it was something that went along with the ankle and the, the Saints had just been keeping mum for a month now so this is something that happened in practice for Michael Thomas it's just a scary situation and you know we know that if they play for their teams they play for you hopefully we get a little bit of information on Hopkins so you're not flying blind going into Sunday night the Saints play uh, in the early window on Sunday so we will know for sure on Michael Thomas if he is going to be out there for you but we have to look at the DFS situation here. How are you attacking the wide receiver position? I'm kind of going into that second tier, so I'm not necessarily going after DeAndre Hopkins everywhere or Devontae Adams everywhere. They're perfectly fine plays, and maybe between now and kickoff on Sunday, enough cheap value at other spots will open up to where it's easy to get to them. But I actually find that I'm kind of living in the mid-upper range at, at running back. I'm trying to spend up a bit at tight end where possible. So you got to save a bit at wide receiver, but there's so many options across the board. I mean, you can get down to Keenan Allen as long as he goes at 6,200. He could be the most expensive receiver in some of my cash game lineups this week. Terry McLaurin is still underpriced. 
DJ Chark at 5,500 kind of coming back on the, the Chargers Jag side. He makes a ton of sense at that price. So I just think it's a, a save at receiver week in your cash game builds, especially. And my goodness, Tyreek Hill, 6,400. When does that happen? He's been mm-hmm. more consistent than people realize. You get down in the low five, even high four range. Brandon Cooks is still only 5,200. He's part of a high scoring game between the Texans and Packers. Uh, you got Christian Kirk down at 4,900. Like, there's so many ways to get at the highest total games on the board that you don't necessarily have to go to those 20-plus point floor receivers when the prices are this high. I'm totally right there with you. I mean, it, it's that the, the one that jumps out at me, and I think all those cheaper guys that you mentioned are totally worth looking at, but it just jumps out at me that we've got guys in the in just the, the 6,000s, the ones you mentioned, right? Tyreek Hill, Kenny Galladay, how about him? It's 6,700, a guy who just can't break through an invisible ceiling. A.J. Brown at 6,300. Um, we've got Robbie Anderson at 6,000, who has been putting up you know big numbers every single week this season. Ty- Tyler Lockett, 6,600, another guy who uh, is coming in in one of these high-scoring games or what we're expecting to be a high-scoring game uh, between the Cardinals and the Seahawks. There's just so many ways to go at wide receiver that you really don't need to get involved with a potentially compromised DeAndre Hopkins, a potentially compromised Michael Thomas, a potentially compromised Calvin Ridley for that matter. Uh, It's just way too many guys in the 5,000 or even 49, 4,800 up to 66, 6,700 range at the wide receiver position. You can pair them with some of our favorite high-priced running backs, among them Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, James Conner, and really find yourself a very nice build between running back and wide receiver. We will keep a close eye, of course, on DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Thomas the rest of the week, and we'll have all this covered for you on the Athletic Fantasy Cheat Sheet on Sunday, starting at 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, All of our channels broadcasting that. Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, be sure to check us out. Speaking of, Calvin Ridley and the Falcons, Julio Jones practiced on Thursday, obviously came back with a huge game last week. Derek, plenty of excitement for Lions and Falcons, two teams that maybe are headed to the playoffs, but this is going to be a big fantasy game. Yeah, nice close game with a high total and plenty of options on both sides to choose from. I was surprised to see just how much interest there is based on the projected roster rates for Marvin Jones in particular. I get it because exposure to this game on the cheap is definitely worth throwing a dart at, but I think you want to spend up a little more. I mean, it's not impossible that he finds the end zone and scores a long TD, but Kenny Galladay is the preferred play for a reason. He costs a lot more, but I think you can justify it. I actually like Todd Gurley a lot in this game because the Lions' run defense isn't very good. Volume has been there each and every week for Gurley. If the game goes off as expected with that 55.5 over under, I think there's a really good chance Gurley finds the end zone at least once this week. And he comes at a nice $6,000 price tag, too, so that opens up a bit of flexibility elsewhere in your lineup if you don't have to spend up for you know two of your three running backs as 7k plus plays this week I'm gonna dive into Marvin Jones there just for a second because I I just I don't get it man I really don't get why people are so interested in him this week I mean I I guess I do get it from the standpoint of what this game is but let's be realistic about what Marvin Jones has been so far this season we're talking about a guy whose high yardage output of the season is 55 yards and let's remember that Kenny Galladay missed two games this season and that's when that 50 yarder 55 yarder came he has one touchdown the last two games nine yards and eight yards for Marvin Jones. I mean, 
I can't explain what has happened to him this year, how he has totally fallen off a cliff in both production and usage, but I know it's happened. And so he's the one guy in this game who I would caution anyone against trying to use both season long and DFS context. Uh, let's end this up with a couple of other injury updates here. Uh, Robert Tunyon, how about that, Derek? We learned from our Packers beat writer, uh, Matt Schneidman, on Thursday that we've been saying it wrong. It's not Robert Tanyan. It's Robert Tunyon rhyming with Funyon. Those uh, kind of gross. I, I think maybe I'm in the minority on that, but those onion chips. Not a big Funyon fan. I am a big Tunyon fan. He practiced off to the side on Thursday, so I guess limited participation for him because of an ankle injury. Hopefully we get good news in Friday's practice report. Sam Darnold has been practicing this week with that shoulder injury headed in the right direction to return, but, you know, who cares? It's the Jets. They're going to get crushed by the Bills. And then finally, obviously, the Eagles have already played this week, but we got a little bit more news on the tight end situation there. Zach Ertz expected to be out four to six weeks. Dallas Goddard looking like he will return from his ankle injury after the team's bye in week nine. That puts him on track for week 10. So should have at least a week or two with that tight end position completely to himself. Hopefully you've got the weekend to yourself to enjoy all the football that is coming your way. We're going to wrap things up here on Fantasy Football in 15 today. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. We will be back with you on Monday. Until then, have a great weekend and enjoy all the games.